sounds really good to be mindful, but it's actually hard work because you mentioned like social, like on your phone, you think about how we ingest social media or how we consume content, short first 30 seconds or less, you know, Instant image, short video, yeah. So we're actually, what we're doing is our training, our thoughts to jump from one thing to another really quickly. So when you actually, when it comes to being mindful, so if you're not practicing meditation or being, you know, practicing mindfulness meditation, it's really, really hard because if you go, I want to focus on this conversation, but we're so used to, if you've just got off your phone and then you're having a conversation and you're actually, you've got that momentum of that, you know, and then all of a sudden, whoop, you know, you're off somewhere else, 10 seconds apart. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only find, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me. Hello, balancers, and welcome to another episode of The Balance Theory podcast. I hope you enjoyed that little snippet that I've shared at the start of the episode. I found it quite thought-provoking when I was listening back and editing and so much so that I thought I'd chuck it in at the start just to get you all thinking before we warm up and get into this conversation. So basically for me, it triggered a bit of a aha kind of response because I know all too well how long I spend on social media a lot of the time and it really is a short attention span type activity. You know, you're jumping from post to reel. It's just very quick, like it just grabs you when you're on to the next And then, you know, you kind of sit down and wonder why you can't focus just for 10 minutes on your breathing. It kind of brought up for me that I'm unconsciously training my mind to be used to that attention span. And I think a lot of us will be able to relate to that. And perhaps you may find it also difficult when you sit down and try and focus on one thing for a long period of time. So I just thought it was a really interesting way to kick off this week's conversation on meditation. And as well, give us a little bit of insight into how we could improve our focus by understanding our current behaviors. Speaking of focus, one of our guests coming up this month is Tony Wilson, who is the creator of the Focus Planner. So if this is a topic that really, really interests you, stay tuned for that. On this note, if you are keen to see who's up for the month of March, jump over to our Instagram. I've posted the full March schedule so you can see all the incredible chats I've got up and coming. So in saying that, I wanted to introduce today's guest. It is Tom Sullivan. I met Tom at a couple of events where he was speaking. So he is the author of the book, A Still Mind, which is one full of little tips and tricks on meditation. He does do a little bit of speaking, but he's also a full-time student at the moment and also a very avid follower of meditation and also a teacher. I've been very lucky to do a couple of his classes as well. So this conversation came out of really my great experiences with Tom in the past. So as you can tell from the initial little snippet, some of the things we're going to talk about today are why we are training ourselves to not focus and in turn the barriers into getting into meditation. But on top of that, Tom really just shares his journey from being a boy growing up in New Zealand where he says that farming and rugby were really his only two options. And so him finding meditation and really embracing it was really a whole game changer for him. And he sort of wraps his experience today and tips into this conversation today as much as possible 
including things like how to deal with resistance and negative thoughts, which I thought was a really, really important one that a lot of you are going to relate to. So you might be sitting there meditating and boom, a negative thought just decides to squeeze itself into your mind. So how do you actually deal with that? What do you actually do if you've only got five minutes to meditate and you know, you've never done it before? Like, you know, what are the actual things that you're meant to be doing? Where are you meant to be focusing? So little tips around that and how to really get started. We talk about the difference with being mindful versus having your mind full. So mindful one L, mindful two L's, which also brought up some interesting comments and a whole lot more when it comes to meditation as an arm or part of yoga. If you are interested to connect with Tom a little bit further, I've popped his social media bio below. You can also get your hands on a copy of the book, which will also expand on a lot of what we've spoken about today. And if you do have any key takeaways, take a screenshot of this episode and tag both myself at The Balance Theory and Tom and share what it is. I'd love to know what you're getting out of these podcasts. And that's one way you can share it with me. You can send me a message directly as well. Before we start, let's notice any tension you have in the body. Some common places are our fists, our jaw. Just let it go. Just take a minute and have a think about if you're holding or storing any tension anywhere. Bring your awareness to it and just try and focus, breathe into it and relax as we dive into this beautiful conversation about meditation. Alrighty, Tom, a big, big welcome to the Balance Theory podcast. It's really nice to have you on the show. I mean, I saw you first speaking at the Upgrade Your Life event. I think it was both years in a row and now I've had the honor of hosting you here. So welcome. Thank you so much. And it's an absolute pleasure. So today we are going to be talking all things meditation, but before we dive in, get to know a little bit about you and I guess what meditation is, I do want to start with some fun little myth busting because I think there are a few misconceptions when it comes to meditation. So I'm just going to fire away and you can hit us back with true or false and you can explain why. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Let's do it. All righty. So bear with me, listeners, this might be a bit of a dir one, but to be honest, before I went down the road of meditation, I couldn't help but have this stereotype as well. So number one, there's only one type of meditation and that involves sitting quietly with your legs crossed and eyes shut. Uh, I've got to say that's kind of true. Really? (laughs) Yeah, it's probably a bit of a surprise. Um, That's something I wanted to get into with you. Because yeah, there's there's a bit there's quite a bit of misconception around what meditation is. So I wanted to sort of unpack that a little bit more. So we'll dive into it. it. We'll dive into it as we go. I think I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today will lend itself. But let's just remember that it's kind of true that there is only one sort of type of meditation. Okay, number two. Yeah, don't, all... don't like get real angry at me at the moment. This, this, <laughs> I'll explain it. I'm sure it'll make sense. Yeah. So just so just park the thought and we'll revisit it soon. Don't stop podcast now listeners i promise you there's good stuff coming (laughs) (laughs) all right number two it's all about being still and quiet in terms of if you want to go to a deep meditation it's it's definitely yes so we can talk about the practice as a whole and there's lots more there's there's a lot more to it Um, but if you're going to be specific about what meditation is then okay cool and number three you have to be able to empty your mind no definitely not no that's an impossible task because it's Which like very comforting imagine if you're yeah imagine if you're in a, in, a, in, a, yeah, in a sinking boat right you know and there's just you've got holes all around the boat and you've got a little bucket and that's trying to empty your mind it's like as you notice if you sit you'll probably notice that one thought just replaces the other and that sort of thing and that's the function of the mind 
Yes. Um, so you cannot, yeah, you can't stop that function of the mind, but you can move your awareness to other places. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, a couple little questions that I had, I want to know a little bit about your story, your transition into meditation. So I know that you started off in corporate, um, you know, and then went on a little bit of a journey to lead you to where you are today. So why don't you share with us your story? Yeah, sure. So, um, my journey into meditation started, I think about 13 years ago. Um, we, we talked about this a little while ago, but I had a, I had a trip, um, to Thailand and then India. I grew in a, I grew up in a really small town in New Zealand. It was farming and rugby. Like, you know, that was, that was the extent. They were your options. <laughs> That was it. Yeah, that was the conversation. They were the two conversation pieces. So um, I, let's just say that I had no idea. Like sushi to me was like a very, very weird foreign <laughs> concept in my early 20s, right? Like this is, let me just paint the right You're really picture, painting right? the no scene idea. extremely well. The yeah. scene's being painted. <laughs> yeah. So let's just say like kind of like empty vessel. I think that's probably the best way. And it's actually a really good, good, good way to be going into this kind of practice. But um had these different experiences. I went, you know, took mushrooms in Thailand. And I was like, holy shit. Will I share a mushroom? Yeah, everyone always asks, just let's go, let it out. Whatever. Sorry, yeah. So <laughs> having these, yeah, had these crazy experiences and, and then sort of going to India and I was like, wow, like this, this it just blew me away. All of the, um, I guess what you sort of call spiritual side of things, because obviously it's a very spiritual country. And um, it just, it just really, it, it just really, made me think oh i'm missing something like you know I'm, I'm not getting the whole picture there is more to life than farming, farming and rugby, and must be. <laughs> yeah like it was a bit of a shock but um so shortly after that i moved to london and and shortly after that i had long story short as i had a, a couple of out-of-body experiences it was the end of a long party night and i was sort of sitting in a room and um, there were two key things, and it's really um, essential to a good meditation practice I later found is a relaxed body. Um, certain things can help you relax really well and focusing on one thing. Um, and that's what I was doing. I was just mucking around with these different things. And, and then all of a sudden, I had these like really, really uh, powerful, but yeah, very hard to describe. It's like you go to a place where there's no point of reference. There's mm. literally nothing you've ever come close to experiencing in your life. Um, so I'd say probably the few years after that was a lot of craziness. Like I didn't really kind of know what was going on, but it was so profound. It completely changed me. Like the, the next day I was, I was a new person. Like I, I remember saying to myself the first time it happened, I was like, oh, it's like the first day of the rest of my life. It was really strange. So what um, you just had like a completely different outlook or you were more receptive. Like, can you just tell me a little bit about how practically that looked for you after that experience? It was like looking through different lens and different feeling. And um, I felt more responsible for myself as well in a weird kind of way. Like um, just little things like I used to be such a dirtbag. I, I would like, I'd, you know, it's like embarrassing to say, but I'd walk past and like throw something in the rubbish and if it fell down, be like keep on walking and like no be a good person you know like weird yeah. little things like that but kind of like understand same. your your piece in the puzzle of the world you know like you, you form part of a unity that's just global you're, you're connected to everything and somehow that's yeah i, I couldn't I definitely couldn't have said that better better i think because 
the experience I had when I went up, I basically went up out of my body, consciously went up out of my body and, and then into this sort of place. And Just to um, paint the scene here, was this DMT? No, no, like I just, I, I don't even know. Like I was sitting and my, my brother is a bit more sort of like, he was always a bit more open-minded than I. And we were sitting, uh, it was just like, I think we were doing some MDMA or something like that. You know, we're just chilling at home afterwards. And um, he, he, I think a friend of ours taught us like, um, she was a Reiki master and she taught us like, you can feel your energy. So if you rub your hands together and you hold it just there, you can sort of, you know, like feel. So if you really stop, rub and you can start to like maybe get a tingling or you might even get like a sort of a sense of magnetism between your hands. And I was doing that, and I think because I was in this great altered state, it was super strong. Like I felt like I was holding a magnetic ball. That's awesome. And something was, yeah, it was like crazy. And something was like, close your eyes. I closed my eyes, and my head just like snapped back. And then um, I started lifting off. And it was, I was just like, this is fucking crazy, right? Like, I, you know, because again, rugby and farming, right? This is not in my wheelhouse. I don't know what's going on. Um, but all of that experience, like my trip and that sort of thing was like, there was always that there's something else. And, and I did, I did sort of have this thing. I was like, I do think that there is something else. Mm. And if something happens, I sort of had a sense that something was going to happen or um, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go with it. And I was like, that's, that was the moment as I was sort of like taking off, but resisting, like, you know, sort of trying to hold into my body. I was like, this is, this is the moment. And I just relaxed and then, and it was like, um, so go round about a story, like that sense, it was, it was immediately, it was like, I'm home. That was the feeling of being like wrapped in a warm embrace. Mm. And it was just a sense of being home. Now, I can have that sense in, in a deep meditation. And that's such a beautiful feeling. And that's what I want my students to get to is that sense. It wasn't at like that hugely visceral, like, massively intense level i wish that i could get back there and a lot of the reason why i did all that stuff was to go back to that place because it is the best feeling that you can ever ever have and i love chasing highs right like you know that's that's something that i love these peak experiences so that was that yeah i mean that that was kind of like the essence that i then carried on um from that point and it was interesting because i had this i had a lot of weird stuff happening and it like Bearing in mind, I still had no idea what happened. I, I've never heard of meditation. I've never heard of yoga. I'd never heard of any of that stuff at this time. I had, like, again, no idea. You know? And what were you doing for work at that point in time? Uh, I was just working for, I was working for a like, pretty cool company in London. I just got a job. Uh, I was there for three years. Um, and I got a job. There's a, there a company here called GoGet. It's like a car share company. Yeah. I was just like doing, um, I've always been in sales. I was just doing some sales for them. Cool. Um, so it was a very, like, it's very weird. You have these experiences and then Monday morning you go and you're like sitting in front of this, like what the hell is going on? <laughs> um, I had these weird things like um, when I'd go to the train station down at Clapham Junction, everyone, it was so bizarre. Everybody's face looked familiar. You know, when you see something like, oh, where have I seen that person before? Yeah. It was like, I was just having this, this weird sort of experience. It's like, this is so odd. So while I'm sitting at work, I start like Googling, traveling up white light, you know, like that was sort of like how the journey started because I was trying to make sense of this really profound thing with no reference point. And I'm like, am I just crazy? Like, you know, I'm like, for a lot of the time, it's just like, 
am I nuts? You know, and that was a lot of my first journey. And that's why it's like really dangerous to use drugs and that sort of thing to go into this because it's, if you're not guided with a proper teacher, you know, a lot of people can burn out and, and flip out, lose their minds if you just abuse substances and go in and, and do that sort of thing without a, you know, without a teacher and yeah. people to help guide you through that. So, yeah, so that was, that was sort of, that was my entry point. And to answer your question, and I think it's really pertinent to your, your podcast and the whole ethos around your podcast is, is about balance. So I've always had a corporate job since that time. And, in, and my practice is integrated and enriched my life. It's enriched my work by a lot. Um, so it's not been, it's never been one without another. It was like trying to make sense of this, trying to follow, uh, you know, or try to or try to find good teachers and um, deal a lot with uh, resistance of teachings. So I'm like, no, if this is just the life, you know, then I can find my own path. And like, I don't need to, you know, so I was like, I've had this period of like where I learn it and then I'm like, oh, I don't really agree with that or it doesn't really resonate with me. So I'm just going to do my own thing. So like then traveling out on my own, but then meeting amazing teachers, meeting real yogis. I've been really lucky to actually meet real yogis um, and seeing what that's like and then understanding, oh, well, then there's this system and then finding the right teachings and, and then starting to, you know, understand what the teachings do importantly, like, you know, so find out, what it's about and I'm a very logical person so I have to kind of like learn practice see results and be like okay now I trust I trust you you know find find teachers I trust your practice you know you, you need evidence we're very scientific people um, you know so it's an interesting thing and it's something that's always a challenge as a, as a teacher is to um, you know how do you um, I think I said to this to you before when we had a chat the other day it was like um, you know, how do you best present this in a way that people in the kind of lifestyle that we have, where it's very, I need to see it, you know, like I want to, like, if we instant talk gratification. about this, it's like, yeah, exactly. I want instant gratification or I want to know, hey, you know, you do, I've got these people that I've like PTs or whatever, they go, hey, here's my before and afters and that sort of thing. It's like, there's different measurements of happiness and reduced stress and things like that. It's a lot more subtle, but you know, ultimately it's, it's so much more powerful and long lasting than, you know, just the external things that, that a lot of people spend most of their time, um, you know, investing in themselves and, and, and working on. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, this whole discussion of, you know, when you, when you have moments in life where you're working at something and you feel that resistance, I feel like that's a nice reminder to, you know, cause you have to stop and reflect whenever you're, you're coming up against that resistance and it's either, it's a little bit of a barrier or a challenge and you're only going to grow or develop once you kind of surmount that, or it's something you need to consider. Okay. What's my actual opinion or relationship with this concept that I'm resisting. So resistance is, it can sometimes feel like a hard, tough, like thing we don't want to deal with, we want to run away from. But I think like just, just pulling from your story, because people think like if you're balanced, right, your life's perfect, but I've not once said that. And I don't think I'll ever say that on the podcast because the beauty in life is the ups and downs. And, you know, some people may look at downs as points of resistance. Um, 
But, you know, if you look at, I don't know if anyone's listening into the stock market, when you have like points of resistance, it's either a moment where you bounce back up and the, the stocks will go up or it will break through and go down. And I think that's sort of like our life as well, right? Like you can choose how you relate to that point of resistance. But back to what you were saying, like there's no real tangible way to show people what meditation can do. Um, it's more like, I guess it's, it's a very personal thing. Like your story here is so different to someone else's story who, you know, maybe someone who grew up in Himalayas and have been meditating since the day they were two, or it's just yeah. something they learned as they grew up and it's just second nature to them. And they're thinking how, how are these people like struggling worldwide. So it's very personal, yeah. but I think one way we can talk about it. Um, and I'd like to know your thoughts as well. You've got the concept of mindfulness, but there's being mindful and your mind being full. So mindful mm -hmm. one L versus mindful two L's. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on those varying concepts. Cause I think they mean two very different things and it's important. It's an important concept when we're talking about meditation. Being mindful of things is, you know, well, the, to the shorter L is a really useful way of, of just doing things like, you know, what's the best way to, um, you know, eat an elephant? It's like one bite at a time, right? Because if you tackle things with that whole, you know, that whole mind approach, you're really going to miss a lot of potency about how you're doing nowness, right? You know, so how you're doing the actual, actual nowness. And I mean, I guess an example of that is, um, you know, I mentioned before, like for my corporate side has been a career in sales and, um, you know, being mindful about that whole interaction. And that can be anything like, you know, whatever, whatever kind of job or activity that you're involved in, being mindful of that situation is going to produce such a better result than coming in with the mind full of, of, of things, right? Because yeah. you might've yeah. been in a situation before and there's been like myriad of different outcomes from that. So if you come in with that mind thing, you're going, okay, well, maybe they're going to like me. Maybe they're not going to like me. You know, they might talk about this. They might not. You know, you're you're missing cues. You're missing because you're you're not in you're not that moment. That. Just yeah. But there's a few little things. So you know, certainly from my point of view, and I think it's such a powerful thing is when you meet people. Is you can be a, if you can be in a mindful conversation with that person. What it means is that I'm giving you all of my attention. I'm giving you thought out, thoughtful responses. So I'm being thoughtful because I'm listening to exactly what you're saying and I'm responding to what you're saying straight away, just based on what you've said, rather than, you know, have people like, you know, and we're all guilty of this. I'm sure you ask a question and you kind of want a certain response and you're just kind of listening for a cue for that thing to talk again. Yeah. Or talk about the you really want. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you're going to you just miss out on so much and, you know, for me in sales, it's like the little cues are the things that you can go, oh, great, they like this. I can talk more about this. Or, you know, mm -hmm. listen to somebody and you, and not only that, the difference for that person, or imagine if it's you, of being listened to, you know, you, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a really a tangible thing of, of knowing when somebody is, you're being heard or when somebody's just there, right? Yeah. So those kind of things, like that's a big difference, right? So you're going in with just that one thing, you're being mindful. And it's the beautiful thing about mindfulness is every moment is an opportunity to be mindful. You know, and that's really what they say that the masters live in that state is that they are just, they're either connected to the source, which they, you know, typically are, but 
they're not thinking about anything that's happening they're just living in the now and you know yoga means now so that is the practice of yoga um, I was just going to add, I think a really nice way to look at this like mindful versus being mindful is a simple example of if you are having a conversation with someone, if you've brought with you all these thoughts that are just circling in your head and you're not really, you know, listening or receptive to what the other person's saying versus if you're extremely present, you know, and just like you said, just responding to stimuli of what they're saying, like that's two very different states of mind to be in. It doesn't have to be with another person either. It can be you're going for a walk. Like, are you on your phone doing emails, head down and, you know, down and in rather than out and up? Are you looking around? I think being mindful or mindfulness is a really nice way to just be present, really. I think it's a nice state where you are just present. Whereas uh, if your mind full, like if your mind is full, that's sort of the state where, you know, stress and anxiety kind of compounds and you've got lots of thoughts, but it doesn't have to necessarily be a negative thing either. Like you just said, I think you can be present and have many great thoughts and technically then your mind is still full of, of things. But I think it's when it starts weighing down your present experience in a negative way, that's when you sort of need to draw yourself back and go more into mindfulness. Totally. You've touched on so many good points there. Um, couple of things but first one is that the, the the it sounds really good to be mindful but it's actually hard work because you mentioned like social like on your phone you think about how we ingest social media or how we consume content short first 30 seconds or less you know image short video yeah so we're actually what we're doing is our training our thoughts to jump from one thing to another really quickly mm. so that's what we habitually do. So we might spend two hours a day consuming social media and we're doing that kind of practice. Short, short, short. So when you actually, when it comes to being mindful, so if you're not practicing meditation or being, you know, practicing mindfulness meditation, it's really, really hard because if you go, I want to focus on this conversation, but we're so used to, if you've just got off your phone and then you're having a conversation and you're actually, you've got that momentum of that, you know, and then all of a sudden, well, you know, you're off somewhere else, 10 seconds have passed. This is probably a good thing to consider as well with like your focus at work or your studies. Like if you feel like you're struggling with focus, like how much time are you spending on social media where your attention span is being conditioned to, you know, those short, sharp bursts and get it done next type thing. If you can't focus, that could be a good correlation or something to consider for sure. Just a quick word from the sponsor of today's podcast. If you haven't paid any attention to the quality of your gym accessories or feel like the ones you have kill your vibe just a little, then this is for you. ESFit is a brand I've co-founded with my best friend to bring all fitness lovers the confidence to sweat in style. I'm talking considered luxe fitness accessories, ranging from cotton bands that don't roll or dig to full-size sweat towels that cover you from head to toe and actually don't take up all the space in your bag. The list goes on, but you can check it all out for yourself at esfit.com.au or on Instagram at esfit, double underscore. And for all my beautiful balances, we're offering $15 off of the checkout when you use the code BALANCE. And the, the, the cool thing is some, some of my interest stuff, I read a lot of books around like habits and, you know, the way that the brain works. I definitely don't quiz me on like any of the neurals. Where's the prefrontal like, you know, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that it's, your brain is a machine essentially, right? You know, it's, it's, it's a machine and it's predictable. You do the same thing and you, you can train your brain 
So we're either consciously training our brain or we're unconsciously training it mm-hmm. as well. So I just think that's something to be really aware of a lot of the time is if people are getting to the point where they go, hey, look, that sounds great, but how do I do it? You've got to practice it. Yeah. Right? You've got to do something to the opposite that's causing you to, to do the things that you're doing that you want to change. For sure. And um, I think this is where meditation comes in and can play an incredible role. And for anyone listening, you know, I don't know where you're at in your practice. You may have just begun. You may have been practicing for ages. It might be something you've heard floating around and been thinking of trying. But before we go into the benefits and ways we can start and specific tips, I just want to know in your opinion, and I know we've touched on a few of them already, but what are the biggest barriers to really getting into meditation? Because I think sometimes just based off how our society works. So like, you know, the pre- how present social media is at the moment for, as an example, or the fact that we can't see results straight away, which are two things we've already spoken about are often barriers in themselves. Can you think of any others that may currently be deterring people from really going deep into practice? Uh, yeah, I can. There's, there's a very famous one. It's called the ego. Oh, yeah, I've heard about them. They float around these sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. so that's that's an age-old sort of, I guess, a foe. Uh, There's there's lots of different ways that you can look and approach to that. Um, Or you can talk about that in the the sense of the mind. So anyone, like, you know, there'll be a lot of people listening, I'm sure, will be able to sort of understand as well. You know, with 13 years of practice, I will find so many reasons to not you know like oh you know got to do the washing got to clean it you know like it's the mind doesn't want to you know it's not the mind only operates in in the past or the future right it only it doesn't operate in the present you know you can call that the ego so it's it's a very formidable foe when it comes to this practice there's so many ways that i would justify not not sitting and doing my practice because i'm used to instant gratification i do you know like i it's so much more gratifying to do these things that give me that instant dopamine hit or whatever it might be, then sitting and, and you know, hey, let's not sugarcoat it. Probably it, while we're starting the practice, probably struggling a little bit, you know, like it's, it's not, you know, it's not necessarily that enjoyable in the initial offset. So as an extension of that, bad teaching or bad expectations and understanding about what the practice is and how to do it will really you know that a lot of people might go they dip their toes and they haven't really done the right practice they'll probably just subscribe to an app and listen to somebody speak for five minutes a day for two weeks and then dropped it that's really common or people go oh, i've tried that i can't meditate it's like what you can't meditate no my mind's too busy uh yeah that's exactly what happens you're the, you know? you're the right person that needs to do it <laughs> i think this yeah you should be doing it twice as much Yeah, I think this loops back to what I was asking you before, like you have to be able to empty the mind. And to be quite honest, when I started meditating or started trying to meditate, you know, I'd have days where I just, I would not stop thinking. And I think they call it monkey mind in in your people's world. (laughs) um, I heard you a podcast with Tommy, he he mentioned that. Yeah, he also mentioned that too. Um, But yeah, and I think that's quite disheartening because I think a lot of people, there's an expectation there that you are just zen. There's no thoughts. You're almost like a white silk robe with like, you know, nothing penetrating your mind. And I think that's quite, can be disheartening for people. They think, well, what's the point? I'm not doing it properly. You know, so 
what do you what do you have to say to people that might be listening they're like yeah that's great like i can try it but i cannot switch my mind off i think probably the biggest thing is is especially you know i'm sure people that listen to your podcast to people that considered around making improvements around their lives you know you have lots of people different that have different like hacks and you know techniques and different modalities and things like that so the first thing i'd say is like trust in the fact that this practice has been around since we've recorded history mm. and like the practice that i do for example it hasn't changed for that amount of time so logically that really should give you enough to be like okay surely it's worth investigation in terms of that right you know so it stood the test of time there's not many other practices there's very very few that have stood that test of time you're unfortunately we're, we're all unique but you're not unique in this part of struggle with this practice it's very normal and it's very normal for things to almost feel heightened mm. you know because we never stop and observe the mind because and then a lot of people will freak out you know, because, oh my God, I'm crazy, you know, like all, and it just seems like it's getting worse. It's like, no, it's doing that all the time. But what you're doing is you're distracting yourself from it mm. with external things. So do you think so, it's fair to say if you, like the practice of sitting down to meditate often involves just being an observer of all those thoughts. It's not necessarily getting to a point. I mean, like, obviously the goal is to get to a point where you can, you know, divert your attention elsewhere, but in the initial stages or, you know, on some days where you might feel like your mind's racing more than others, it's normal for that to be the way your practice plays out. Like, do you still have practice days like that? Oh, hundred percent. Sometimes I just get up and just leave. Like, you know, it's like, okay, it's not working. But that's not what go. we're recommending. Not what we're recommending yeah. today. <laughs> no, it, it actually is like, I mean, not every day, but like occasionally sometimes it's just like, man, it's not happening. And what I'll do instead is like, just go out and like, you know, get that, move that energy. Yeah. Understand it's like, okay, look, Hey, it's just too much. I need to just like, and it typically exercise for me is a really good way of just for connecting to nature another huge one take your shoes off and just like stand in some grass or something like that because a lot of that time we're, we're actually sort of so ungrounded that it's just so hard to bring ourselves back into that practice so practice uh, understand different things that will help you come back to that center everyone needs to work i always say like you know uh, the, the practice that i teach doesn't change but you should build a habit around that practice that feels right and good for you um, you know, nourishing the body and, and the soul, right? In that in that respect, you know, it should, you know, is is because however that practice goes for however long you put aside for the act of meditation itself, you should have a part of that practice that is always going to make you feel better. Yeah. So if you're in the morning, we talked about like having our coffees. You know, like we have our coffees at a certain amount uh, at a certain time of day. If it's possible, pop your practice in just before that and your coffee is your reward. So mm -hmm. you go, oh, okay, I know that as soon, you know, so we start to train our brain, like we trick our brain. Awesome, I know that, up, and so instead of at the, at the start, it's like, oh, I've got to do the meditation, you know, and then I get my coffee. It's like, but then eventually it's like, the more you regularly you do it, you start to get these nice experiences and meditation and all that good stuff happens, but you've got to get there first. Yeah. So that's why we use different um, cues and rewards something um i've spoken about before with another guest but this is called habit stacking so you try and find something you already do every day 
and you try and tack on that new habit in some way so that it then becomes like a stacked habit and it's a lot easier to commit to. But just before you say what um, you were going to go on to, is there like a minimum time people should meditate to get like the real benefits? So with, with my practice, the, the maximum time my teacher says is, is 18 minutes to sit in the actual meditation. But my practice is about 45 altogether. Um, I think you want to have an experience. So I think probably if you're starting maybe two or three minutes, getting to that point, and I'll sort of do some, and we'll talk about like what the other rest of the practice looks, looks like. Um, there's practices that are, you know, like very popular ones like Vedic, like you, you're doing 40 minutes a day straight away. And, you know, the idea behind that is, hey, look, if you do do that, you will get results. Absolutely, you will. Yeah. But if you've never done it before, 40 minutes, two times a day, 40 minutes, for me, I'm like, there's no way that's going to happen. Yeah, well, looking at my schedule, there's no way I could fit that in either. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like if I'm if I'm getting a train twice a day, half an hour both ways, and that's that's maybe time I could set aside to, you know, potentially make room for it. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you've, you've got to you've got to assess what's going to work in your life. You can't make these outrageous claims straight away. It's like, I'm going to do this, you know, because it's great to have that energy and motivation and you need you need to have that commitment level and energy going into this practice because there is it is it is not necessarily easy for everyone straight away. There's effort involved. Just the same way as if you wanted to be an Ironman and you've never run a 10K in your life. Like it still involves that same level of effort, right? You've got to, you've got to show up for the practice. Yeah. I'm really glad you just said that actually because how easy is it for us to train our bodies, to rest our bodies, to recover our bodies? But when it comes to doing the same thing for our mind, it's often second thought it's often not something we prioritize and so it's funny like i remember thinking to myself like okay i'm going to try and do five or ten minutes every day and i was like oh do i have time for that and i was like i literally spend an hour at the gym every day like i can surely <laughs> make 10 minutes for my brain which yes. which makes my whole body work every single day you know yes. so it's about understanding that you know it's something you should be nurturing resting and recovering and and meditation is, I think, a way into doing that. But maybe we can talk a little bit about the physical benefits of meditation. So some people might know, like, yes, it makes you feel nice. But what does that actually mean? And scientifically, what's, what's actually going on? Yeah, good, good question. So I think one of the, one of the first things that, that I usually deal with with students is, is tension in the body. So your thoughts become physical manifest. And you'll notice like if you're stressed uh, or if you're having, especially like if you're having negative thoughts or you're worried, jaw will tighten up, um, mm. you know, your shoulders will come up and you'll start to, everything will get, you know, like tight and tense. Mm. So what, and like, so then what that happens is things stop working as it should in the body. You know, there's, there's electricity moving through the body. Yogis know that, they call it prana. But if you if you're if you're tensing, it's stopping energy moving through the body correctly, and I think that's like one of the base causes for a lot of lot of the physical problems that we have. So it's like a reversal of that, um, which is interesting because a lot of people would think meditating's for your mind, but this is actually like 
you know, something that your body will benefit from doing. And I'm sure for anyone listening now, just like notice your body, like, have you got that tension anywhere? Cause I know whenever I do like a guided meditation like that and they're like, you know, relax your jaw. I'm like, Oh my God, it was so like clenched. What was I doing with that all day? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and when you sit in meditation and you, and, and you're, you're supposed to be not thinking and you start thinking about that stuff, you'll notice. So I'll notice at the start of the practice, I get to that point. So I always do the checks right through the body, make sure that everything's relaxed. Mm. And then something from work or, you know, in my personal life, something comes up that's, that's worrying me or whatever. And then by the time I check back, it's, it's back there again. So it's like this, okay, this relaxation again. Yeah. That's definitely one of those things. And the interesting thing is this is why I think it's important to talk to people more about, what yoga is and the real understanding of this because people get such a surface knowledge if you just go to apps and you're not getting the real understanding of that there are there are practitioners of wellness and wellness to levels that we are we can only dream of that have mapped this all out and i think any good practice in this is a physical practice it's a it's an energetic practice it's a mental practice and then it's a surrender into meditation yeah no i love that because it really is you know i think a lot of for a lot of people they think meditation is just the mind but i think it's quite nice to view it mm-hmm. as the benefits extend not only to your brain and your thinking but it's a it's a whole body zen and i know i've i've actually recently meditated and felt what they mean when they say yoga stoned <laughs> when you have just like complete <laughs> And yeah, so it's beautiful. So I, I love that. And there's definitely a lot to get out of that in terms of benefits that extend beyond your mind. So thank you yeah. for sharing that. Um, I was just going to say really quickly that our understanding of yoga is, is also probably pretty limited. Most people think you just pop on some Lululemon and, and you're doing yoga. That's one very, that's one small <laughs> arm of, of what the whole thing is. And it's, it, what, what it really means is like, start by being a good person. picking up the trash as i I mentioned before um the the physical stuff that we call yoga is more asana based so that's actually creating a seat for meditation so creating a strong body strong energetic body to sit in meditation and basically from there once you sit it's all about starting to go from external to internal Mm. so withdrawing senses from out to in that's really what the rest of that practice is so it's bringing it in it's doing different um kinds of you know pranayama understanding the energetic body going further into the mind and then eventually you surrender into that space so if you try and jump or cut different corners it's it's not as effective as if you take the whole thing holistically it's perfect so would you almost claim that yoga is a fundamental part for really getting into meditation it's it's it is an arm of yoga basically so meditation is um, right yeah yeah essentially so the yoga is it to understand yoga means a practice of now yeah. now is the practice of yoga okay. so it's simply that nowness is is what what it, what the practice is um so when you practice the nowness you need to incorporate all these different things to get to the now essentially beautiful sounds like that will be another podcast on its own so we might just park that thought there <laughs> but um for anyone listening who is already meditating or wants to, you know, start giving it a crack, what are some easy ways that people can really just start now? They can just start with limited resources or maybe they don't have access to a teacher just yet. Like what are some tips of ways people can just get into it? The first thing I'd say is just starting is a, is a great point. If you can practice at the same place at the same time every day, um, 
you can actually sort of build energy and momentum if you've got a little corner in your room where you dedicate to it and it's like it's your own little sacred spot um, and you can go there at the same time and, and that will really help cement your practice. If you can't, that's also fine. Um, but again, going back to our conversation around habit, if you can be aware of how you can build a successful practice, that's going to really help. In terms of the practice itself, start really gentle. I'd say, you know, three to five minutes. And I would first, you know, the first thing is you've got to get through that barrier of the body, that, ten that tenseness. There's really great, um, it's very easy to find a good body scan exercise on YouTube. Yeah, that, that's great. And it's it's about preparing your body for that. So I would I would get to the point where you know what it feels like in your body to be relaxed, to be soft in your body and to feel that softness. It's really that's really the base. Softness and stillness is what I talk a lot about when I'm teaching with the body. Find stillness, find softness. Don't lie down in your bed and practice it because you'll fall asleep if you get, you know, because you get into that deep space. A lot a lot of the techniques are up and down the spine. So you need to have a straight upright spine to really start to feel the benefits and go into these deeper practices. So that might be sitting in a chair, it might be sitting up against a wall or sitting cross-legged on the floor on a cushion. Yeah. I made a note because I literally always lie down when I do it because I feel like I can just fully like let my body go, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make a mental note to be sitting when I do it. I went I went to I practiced at a uh, at a Buddhist temple in, in Thailand. It was really hard. Like it was, a, it was really intense. It was just like meditation all day. But the monks would make you sit uh, up against the wall. So if you felt, if you started to fall asleep, because like, you know, we'd start super early and that sort of thing. So if you fell asleep, you'd fall ahead, fall in front and bang your head on the wall to wake yourself up. Oh, that's one sure way to keep you upright. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's, it is it is really important if you want to go deeper into the practice and really start to enjoy like the real benefits you can get from a, a proper practice. Um, but I think be be realistic with yourself, sit and always set a timer. I think I use insights timer. It's a wonderful app. It's a really good app. There's lots of great guided meditations. There's teachers on there. It's free. You can do some paid stuff as well, but I, what I mainly use is just the timer app. Mm. Um, and I always, so I always set amount an amount of time and I always say to my students start really small. So if you can commit to five minutes, set the time of five minutes and then maybe once every two weeks, have one session where you sit for double the length of time just to see what it feels like to be a bit different and go a little bit deeper to the practice. But you might stay at five minutes for a year. It's cool. Like it's all about your intention of turning up and giving it your best for the time that you have. That's yeah. where you'll get the results from. If you half-ass into it and your mind's all wandering, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, you're doing the body scans, whatever, and, and meditation. It's just not the same as, you know, as a shorter, um, practice with a lot more intention you'll get a lot more from it yeah you do that yeah. Sure. um so like when people are sitting there you know for the five minutes they're just giving it a go they've set their timer what are they doing are they trying to put their awareness somewhere in particular are they trying to not think of anything are they trying to engage with how they're feeling like what what are some cues because i think it's quite um, overwhelming sometimes when you sit there and you think, okay, what am I supposed to be feeling? And then you have all this rush of thoughts and you're like, well, I'm just thinking about what I'm doing when I go back in the office or what I have to do at home. Yeah. Or, you know, like what, what are some cues for what people should be thinking, feeling or doing? Yeah. Good, really good question. I, I think um, 
to give you a brief overview of my, my practice, so as I mentioned before, it takes about 45 minutes. First 10 minutes is maybe um, breathing and, and, and what we call yoga. So I'm doing different yoga poses. I'm preparing the body, but I'm moving and breathing and I'm using a mantra at the same time. So on the inhale, I say sa internally to myself, exhale is hum, sa hum, and I'm breathing and moving at the same time. So this is a mindfulness practice and it's all about the, the reason why I do that is I'm using the body, I'm using the breath and the movement to be mindful and to bring myself to that one thing. So the more you can focus on that one thing. So I'm using that, I'm starting at the gross. So I'm starting with the, the, less, the less subtle, which is the physical. I'm moving through that. And then I'm going to do some um, different breathing techniques. So do an alternate nostril breathing. I don't know if I've ever done, have you ever, have I ever done that with you? No. We've been to a few classes together, eh? Um, yeah, so that and that and the reason why that is is because it's it switches off the duality fuels um, our experience. And this practice is all about basically putting your brain into a sleep mode. It's electricity that runs up and down both sides. So what we're doing is we're switching, slowly switching it off. So again, external to internal or continually internalizing. Then I'll do a final full prayers. And I'm bringing energy up to here, bringing it down, bringing energy up to here. And then I've got my focal point. And so that's the final part of the meditation. So I put my awareness here. I might like lick my thumb and put that there. So I've got a sensation. And then I'm like two or three inches directly in from there. That's where I surrender into. This is the one of the hardest parts. So going back to what I said at the start, I've got intention for my practice. I've got good knowledge. I've got the, the right practice and technique that has stood the test of time scientifically and there's lineage of masters that teach the same thing. So I trust in the practice and I've given it my all. At that stage, basically the stage is set for surrender and surrender is the meditation point. So hopefully by this time, if you've, because um, there's probably 20 minutes of practice up until that point. And so by that time, I should have a level of stillness and you know that the whirring thoughts have a chance to become less and less because I've been mindful for 20 minutes. I'm consciously really mindful of that practice. So from that point of simply surrender, so I have this space here that I surrender into, and all I do is I just do a few little other cues in terms of releasing certain parts of the body, and then it is a surrender. So anything that comes in, I'm usually like, I don't know, you get the video here, but I'm like, like really relaxed and you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fully relaxed. And yeah. it's just that. So anything that comes in, it's just like, I feel like there's almost like some molten lava here and everything that comes in, thoughts, sensations, emotions, just melt. And so, surrender is the hardest thing for Western people to do, but that's, yeah. that's what takes you to those deeper levels. So what I would do for that, I would, I would condense that practice into five minutes. Right. So I'd do, yeah. you know, if I was going to start. So I'd make sure that I, again, follow that same thing. Start with the body, a little bit, you know, the breath, blah, blah, blah. And then up into, up into that space and get maybe a minute or two of that five minutes into that surrender space, into that no thing, which is, you know, again, so we're going from one thing, which is the sensation of the body, of the breath and that sort of thing. So I'm focusing on one thing with the goal of no thing meditation is the no thing mm. so i'm moving all like i'm bringing my awareness in and then i'm just surrendering 
So it's like, do you think an easy way to do that is to pick an anchor point, whether it is, you know, the spot on your head, you know, a tapping sensation anywhere on the body, somewhere where you can just harness all your awareness so that you're not distracted. And then, you know, just letting, let, surrendering, I guess, to that. Yeah. Typically that's the head or the heart. Yeah. Um, some people, if you've got feelings of uh, insecurity, uh, might be financial insecurity or social insecurity, wherever it might be, it might be in, in the base of your spine. That's the area where, you, you know, so some, you might want to set your awareness down there, but it's a hard thing to, you know, it's, it's, it's quite difficult to get to those points where you can stay there, but it's about being in the sensation and, and letting go from that point. Yeah. Um, and um, if, if those, cause I look, we're all human at the end of the day. And honestly, from my own practice, I can say that, you know, I can be in the most still single focus kind of place. And then a negative thought just kind of comes in, you know, what, what is your, what's some tips of how to deal with those when they come up? Because I think it's fair to say they will come up. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one of the, the, the biggest things and one of the, one of the, hopefully most early realized benefits of a, of a, of a meditation practice is you're actually not your thoughts because you can start to exert some control over that. So you, your thoughts arise and you can let them go. Thoughts arise and you can let them go. If there's particularly strong negative thoughts and emotions, they'll be resistant. So the, the yogis call them vritti. Vritti sort of means like whirlpools. So I always sort of think in my mind, you know, if it's an expanse, there's these like little whirlpools going around. And some of them might just be like baby bells or whatever, and it's not very big. But then you're having a problem with your partner and you're really annoyed. And that's a big ritty. And it's very strong. So it will take your awareness a lot of the time. So we become stronger in the practice and the ritty lose power when we are able to recognize that it's just a thought and we have the power to choose to give it energy or to not give it energy. Yeah. So if you leave it up to chance, you go, I just don't want to think good thoughts or I don't want to think bad thoughts. You're leaving yourself completely up to chance. But if you understand, okay, again, we go back to the mind as a tool and it's full of thoughts and it will always be full of thoughts. And, you know, if you drop one thought, another one will replace it. It won't just have gaps. It's not its function. So it's about understand. First thing is to understand the mind allows you to be more selective in where your where your thinking goes. A, a really good. It, it's kind of left field to what I'm talking about, but um, I listen to uh, uh, Abraham Hicks. Have you ever heard of Abraham Hicks? No. It's a really good, and it's just like I would think. Replace, you know, do your best to fill your mind with as many positive thoughts as possible, and and. I, I really like listening to, I listen to sort of 10 minutes of Abraham um, on my walk in the morning. And it's a good way to start to just program that, you know, there's good and bad thoughts. And I want to be practicing to be aware of my thoughts that if there's a thought that I don't like, I can be aware to understand it's just a thought. I can let it go, come back to your breath or whatever it might be. Mm. More importantly, try and focus on good things. And if you don't, and so I like for myself, for my own practices, like I need to keep reminding myself of these things. So I sort of have these little things that I listen to every day. It puts me in a good mood and it helps me stay positive. 
Yeah, that's really nice. And I guess that's why affirmations are also a great thing. Um, okay. But on the, on the topic of negative thoughts, this is something I've learned recently. It's, it's not a question of having to reject them or ignore them because if they continue to come up, it's obviously something that's bothering you. It's something that needs to surface. And so giving it that room to surface, but not giving it all of your attention I think is a nice way to kind of deal with those thoughts. So it's like, okay, you're there. I recognize you, you need your airtime, whatever it is, but like I'm doing something else right now and just let it be as it is type thing. Yeah, exactly. But I think if you don't have a practice, what happens is those, those Riti capture you and then you start going down like all of these, oh, well, and then if this happens and that happens, and then by the time you've been thinking about it three minutes and the same thing, you're like really tense, you might be sweating, you know, your heart's beating really fast and you've just, you're, you're stuck in that whirlpool. Mm. So by understanding you, you're exactly bang on. It's like, okay, hey, look, this might need attention. I'm not saying that like you ignore it and it goes away kind of thing, but be objective about what it is. And then you start to think, and I'm always like, if this was my best friend having the same thought and the same problem, how would I approach it? Yeah. Rather than if you're caught up in it and you're like, ah, going mental about it, it's, it's, and not separating it and be more objective with it and be nice to yourself about these sort of things and go, it's, it's very hard to separate yourself from those sort of things. But as you practice and start to get that separateness, you can then maybe be a bit more gentle with yourself and understand, hey, it's okay, you know, this is happening, but I choose to, you know, get a more positive outcome or, or whatever it might be. But I think frame it, it allows you to, that separation gives you an opportunity to frame it in a more gentle way with yourself. 100%. And it's funny how quick we are to be harsh on ourselves, but I think that's a really nice spot to leave this conversation today. I'm sure we could chat on for hours. So I'll probably have to get you back on in a couple months time, but I just realized I didn't even mention your book a still mind. So just quickly, if anyone wants to, I guess, learn a little bit more about your thoughts on meditation and your journey, what can they get out of reading the book? It's just tips and tips and tricks for, for a good practice. So um, I would say to them, wait, for a while, follow me on Instagram at a still mind. There's some stuff there, but um, I've been doing a lot of studenting of late and there's going to be lots of really cool things happening, you know, in, in the not too distant future. Um, cool. So give me a follow there and, and, and there'll be lots of cool tips and tricks and I'm more than happy to answer questions if people have sort of specific things that they want to work through in their, in their practice. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely pop links to that below, but I just want to thank you for your time. Um, it's been a long time coming, but I'm really glad we made the space to do it today. And I look forward to seeing what's in the works for you in the year to come. Yeah, thanks, Eric. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. No worries. See you next time. And that's a wrap for this week, Balancers. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today. As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. Stop, 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 stop.